I'm going to talk about a story out of Genesis chapter 26. And it's specifically talking about digging wells. Isaac using the wells that Abraham had dug his father and then digging his own. But this idea of wells, if you came to the men's night or you went to the women's night, we talked uh, about this very idea. And this is not just important because a month ago as I was reading, I came across this passage and was like, oh, I got to preach on it. No, five years ago, a little over five years ago, before I became the pastor of this church, I was an associate and I was transitioning to become the pastor. And I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know anything. I don't know a lot now, but I was really then, I was just hoping that God would do something. So I would used to come down here and pray. I didn't have to preach every week, so I had a little bit more free time. And I thought, why don't I just walk the room and pray? Not that I don't pray now, but uh, then I just spent a lot of time here. And I was right over in this section, right here in the back section. I was praying, praying for what God was going to do and asking him to help. And, and I felt like the Lord laid something on my heart. I've never heard an audible voice of God. But I felt like he just impressed this on me. You will use the wells that your grandfather dug. And I thought, okay. Well, number one, God, can you, can you show me uh, in your word where that is? Can you give me a paradigm? Because I'm the kind of person, I, maybe God could say it, but if I go to Scripture and it doesn't line up with what he says or who he is, then I know he didn't say it, right? And he brought me to Genesis 26 and showed me this passage of Isaac using the wells that his father Abraham had dug. And I said, okay, I've got Scripture. I said, Lord, what are these wells? What are these wells you're, you're, you're talking about? My grandfather was a pastor, and back in the 70s, I've shared this, he was an associate pastor at People's Church in Arnold, and he had a bus ministry. And that bus ministry picked up kids all the way in Festus, in Eureka, downtown in the projects in St. Louis, brought in just about 1,000 to 1,500 kids a weekend. And I felt the Lord say, those are the wells that you will use that your grandfather dug. So what I did is I got a map. It's up in our room, our conference room, and I, I, I sketched it all out of where these routes are, east, west, north, south, and made like a little corridor and just been praying over that. But this idea of wells that we all draw from, right? We, we all use well. When you think of a well, what do you think of? I, I think of just life in general, right? Wells are a source of life. The most basic building block of life is water. You can't do anything without water, right? A well provides water. A well provides resources. A well is a symbol of progress and even prosperity and abundance because here's the thing about a well. It doesn't just benefit the person who dug it. It continues to benefit whomever will come to it whenever they come to it. It is continual. It is sustainable. It lives beyond that person. I mean, you can go all the way to the book of John, right, and see Jesus helping the woman at the well, and it says that was Jacob's well dug how many years before? Conservatively 500, maybe 1,000 years before. Wells that continue to stay in use. Now, there are different types of wells, right? There are physical wells, there are spiritual wells, and I think there are, I just call them life wells, but Physical wells, three main types, they are salt wells. Did you know they're salt wells? I didn't know that. But they figured out how to get salt in, from the subterranean, from underneath. They use water to brine the solution, and they pull these leather pouches out, and it's full of salt. They're salt wells. There are oil wells. How many of you wish you had an oil well? Yeah, oil wells. And then obviously there are water wells. And a lot of us use wells. I mean, we, did you know right now we are in the village of Scottsdale? Did you know that? Did you know there were villages still in the United States? You are in one, the village of Scottsdale. It's the church, the gas station, the car place, and all the, all the houses back there, right? And we're on a well. 
We share a big well. So every time you get a coffee, you get something to drink, you use the restroom, you are using a well, using one of those wells. We use wells all the time. We have spiritual wells, right? The wells of truth, wells of wisdom, wells of value, wells of identity, wells of philosophy, where we get truth from and who we are and how we're supposed to live. We dip into those wells. Life wells. You got wells of success, right? Your wells of family, wells of finance. But there's also wells of pain, wells of shame, wells of guilt. We are drawing from wells all the time. And, and most of the time, we're drawing from wells that someone else dug, whether we recognize it or not, right? We are the benefactors of the work and the time and the effort and the vision of someone else to dig a well that we can use. And that's what this story is about. This is a story about legacy. This is a story about investment. This is a story about having a vision that is beyond this moment and beyond yourself. I think if we're honest, every person in here would say, I want my life to mean something after I die. I want to know that that just because I was born here, and I died here, that my life and my contribution didn't end here, right? Long-term thinking, legacy thinking, investment thinking. I think that's woven into the fabric of who we are because that's who God is. God thinks beyond the moment. God obviously thought beyond himself. God is not a creature who is bound by time and space, right? Therefore, our lives, although physically bound, are not only within birth and death, it can live beyond the contributions that we make. Problem is, though, I think our culture doesn't really value legacy thinking, doesn't really value wells. Our culture values this. Our culture values water bottles, right? Living from moment to moment, water bottle by water bottle, church service by church service, paycheck by paycheck, Instagram-like by Instagram-like. We live in a culture that is, is right now gratification. I mean, you take a picture, you post it on Instagram, what's going to happen? You're going to watch for your likes. Dopamine is going to fire in your brain, and you're going to feel really good. And then an hour later, nobody's liking your picture anymore, and they've moved on to something else. And so you got to post another picture, right? You put a great idea out there on Facebook, and people tear it apart. People don't care what you're doing anymore, right? They don't care where you're going and how you got there, and you need validation from some you know, digital source because you need that gratification, our culture doesn't, doesn't value thinking long-term, thinking, thinking of making investments. But yet I think that that's very much what God has called us to do, and that's how God thinks, and that's how God wants us to think. And I want you to see this story today from two perspectives, your life and this church as well. Your life and this church, and I want you to begin to think about what wells you're using in your life and what wells maybe that you are attempting to dig if at all, if at all. Genesis 26, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in verse 17. What we have here is Isaac, who is dealing with a king named Abimelech. His father Abraham dealt with this king of the Philistines. And they both have an interesting story because both Abraham and Isaac lie to the king. And what they lie about is they say that their wives are their sisters because they think King Abimelech thinks their wives are pretty hot, right? And they're afraid of what's going to happen. So they both lie. Technically, technically, They're both related to their wives in in kind of an interesting way. 
but they lie. God works it all out. Abraham begins to go off. He begins to prosper. They get jealous of Abraham. They get afraid of Abraham. So they fill up his wells. They stop his wells in an effort to stop the supply, in an effort to stop the resource, in an effort to keep Abraham from progressing and succeeding. Isaac has the same kind of scenario. He has a bit of a conflict, and that's kind of where we pick this up. It says, so Isaac moved away to the Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Now, Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring, said, this is our water. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Pay attention to these names. Isaac's men dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it, so Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space, for he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. I really believe this story is a paradigm for our life and a paradigm for any really any kind of organization, specifically the church. But I just want to step back and take a look at what does it take to dig a well? Have you ever seen somebody dig a well by hand? A few years ago, I was in Guatemala, and we were up in the mountains, and uh, we were walking down the street, and there was these two guys, and uh, we, we just stopped. We're talking to them, and they were digging a well. And the guy, there was one guy up top, and there was one guy in the bottom, and we looked over, in it, and you couldn't even see him. Like, I pulled my phone out and shined a light, and I could not see him. He was so far down, and he was digging the well by hand. He had a pickaxe and enough room to go this, like this. Fill up a five-gallon bucket, send it to the top. 40 meters deep. That's 120 feet. Three months. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like fun at all. 40 meters deep. And I said, do you know there's water here? No. What do you do if you don't hit water? We start all over and we dig again. Why? Because we have to have water. Like, this isn't a, a, a question of convenience. This is a question of necessity. Like, you can get water in Guatemala, but you can't always drink it. Because you drink it and it just flows out of you. <laughs> right? I know, it's happened to me. We need water. And you think, what does it take to really dig a well? I mean, number one, it's hard back-breaking work, right, to dig a well by hand. I'd rather dig a well with a rig. Bring somebody in. Tell me there's water here and how far down it is so I can hit it. Digging by hand. Knowing that you're going to dig a well, know, you better know from the beginning that this is going to be hard work and it's going to take some time and the, delati- the gratification is going to be delayed. Most importantly, though, When we set out to dig wells in our lives, we must have a vision that is beyond the moment and beyond ourselves. We have to have that legacy thinking, that that investment thinking that says, you know what, I'm doing this, not just so I can benefit, so that my grandchildren and their grandchildren and future generations to come will benefit. Because you, it has to be bigger than you. Because if it isn't bigger than you, and if if it isn't beyond the moment, you're going to quit the moment it gets hard. You're going to quit the moment you get blisters on your hands. 
You're going to quit the moment that you're so far down in the hole that people can't see you and you can see a glimmer of light up there and you're tied to a rope. This dude was tied to a rope. Send them bucket after bucket after bucket. When we, we think about wells, we have to, we have to get in our, our mind and look at our lives and say, what, what is my life going to look like in 20 years, 30 years? What is this contribution I'm making now going to look like in 100 years? Going to look like for the generations to come? How can I live in such a way that has purpose and value and meaning beyond just the moment? And I believe that's what God wants for us, right? God wants us to take consideration of our, of our resources and the things that we have and say, okay, how can I use these? to benefit other people, to dig some wells? How can I orchestrate my finances in such a way where it becomes a well and not a water bottle? So often what we do in life is we exchange digging a well for a water bottle. Lauren used this example at the women's night, and I thought it was great. We say, Here, here's what I need. Just, just give me another church service. Pastors, give me another good message. Hey, can you, can you do a, a parenting conference so I can become a better parent? Can you do a financial conference so I, I can become better at my finances? Can you do a, a marriage conference so we can have a better marriage? Sure, we can do all those things, and all those things are good in and of themselves, but what's going to happen when you drink the water bottle and you go home? Have you decided that your marriage is a well, your family is a well, your finances are a well, how you parent is a well? That if you don't take the opportunity to dig down and prepare, that you're going to have to come back next week and next year for the conference and get another water bottle? Like, hey, look, I'm fine to give water bottles. I like doing this. This is fun. I don't think water bottles are inherently evil. But here's what I want you to know. I'm not only going to give you a water bottle, but I'm going to hand you a shovel at the same time. And I'll give you enough water bottles to dig that well. But pretty soon, you're going to stop liking the water that I'm giving. You're going to have to go somewhere else and get another water bottle because I'm going to be like, how's that shovel going? You digging? You got a well yet? You hit water yet? No, I just, just give, me some more, give me some more water bottles. And that's fine. But don't you think God wants to move you beyond this? God is a well in and of himself. That's why he tells the woman at the well, I have water that you know not of. If you drink from it, you'll never thirst again. Jesus says, I am the well. Right? I am the well. Now I want you to be dig, begin to dig wells. I, I look at this church and I say, you know what? We've been here for 55 years. I've been here for five of them. And I look into the future and I say, you know what, God? What are the wells that you want us to dig? Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? I think that House Springs has been an amazing well for us. It has been fruitful. But you know what? There are, just between Jefferson County and St. Louis County, almost a million people who say that they're indifferent to God. You can look at the research. Missouri Baptist Association did it. Almost a million people. And I say, you know what, God? I look at those wells that my grandfather dug, and he had bus routes into other parts of the city and the county. And I say, oh, just maybe, just maybe, God, you want us to go there too. You want us to stay here, but you want us to go there as well. We're not going to pray, God, send me, send me, send me. We're going to say, oh, God, you said go. You didn't say wait. You said go into the world where people are at. So I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. But all I know is I've got them plotted on a map. And I say, when God says, it's time, right, we're going to go to where people are at. We're going to use this well. But just like Isaac did, we're going to go and dig new wells. Why? Because that's what we do. We dig. And we dig. And we dig. 
Part of what it takes to dig a well is accepting the fact that before I can come up and be successful, I have to go down and hit pay dirt. I got to hit water. I have to embrace delayed gratification and I have to embrace being in obscurity. Knowing that I'm digging and digging and digging, nobody pays attention. Feels like a long time before I hit water, but I keep digging. I've been doing leadership coaching with this guy who was a pastor for many years, for about three and a half years. He, and I was talking to him the other day and he said, hey, you know, before I got saved, I was a hippie and I lived in a commune in, in New Mexico. I built my own house by hand. He said, then I had to have water. So I started digging a well with a pickaxe. He said, I dug and I dug and I dug and I didn't hit water. So I just quit. I got frustrated and I quit. He said, one day I'm eating an apple, sitting there in my house with a big hole in the middle of my house. Take my apple core, toss it in the well. And he said, I hear kerplunk. I used to hear thud. He said, the moment I heard kerplunk, I got a light. I looked down. He goes, I saw water. I ran down, you know, to where I needed to get. I got a hand pump. I installed that thing, and I started pumping water. He said, I didn't realize how much time it could take for the water to fill up the well. That just because I had dug didn't mean that water would automatically be there. He said, can you imagine if I had never thrown that apple core in there? If I had never heard kerplunk? I think some of us quit when we're digging a well because we don't hear kerplunk. All we hear is tink, 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 dirt, up, dirt, up, tink, tink, tink. God, where are you? Nobody's paying attention. God, when will the progress come? When will the resources come? We just have to know. I've got a vision bigger than me. I've got a vision beyond me. And I'm digging with purpose. And I'm digging with with passion. And I'm digging with commitment. Right? Right? Commitment because it's bigger than me and it's beyond me. After the first service, this guy came to me and said, hey, you know, I, I, I pastored in a rural community. And he said, I, I have, I'm from the suburbs in the city. And he said, so when I went there, I said, hey, teach me everything about farming. Teach me everything about farming. And they said, are you serious? He said, yeah. So he said, be here at this time, super early in the morning. He got there a little bit early and he found the farmer in the shed. What the farmer was doing was he was sharpening his hoe and he was sharpening his, his shovel. And, and this guy's name is Pastor Wayne. He told me, he goes, I didn't know people did that. I didn't know you sharpened a shovel. I didn't know you sharpened a hoe. But what they're going to be doing was planting beans and walking. And he said, the farmer said every day he would sharpen his shovel and sharpen his hoe. Why? Because he had to dig. And it's easier to dig with a sharpened shovel and a sharpened pickaxe or hoe than it is with something that's dull and blunt. Those are the things that we don't even consider and think about. Maybe, maybe as I'm digging this well, I've got to sharpen the instrument with which I'm using. Because when you begin to dig a well, there's some things that you learn about this process and about God in it. And and here's what I think we learn is that not every resource from God comes from above, that there are resources that God has buried within the earth and buried within us. And in order to access those resources, we've got to dig. Yes, I know every good and perfect gift comes from above, but God created the earth and he made it conducive for life and he buried and packed in within the earth the things that we need to survive. And some of us are saying, God, give me, give me, give me. And God says, here's a shovel, dig. I gave you talents. I gave you ability. I gave you wisdom. I gave you knowledge. Now go access it. Put the seed in the ground and let it grow. If you don't put it in the ground, it ain't gonna grow. It's not gonna grow. In realizing that, 
that, that there are answers to my problems and answers to my progress or prosperity that lie beneath the ground and not always from above. Think about that. That God is literally saying to you and I, just start digging. Just start digging. And you may discover what it is buried within the earth, buried within your heart that I have put there, that you will discover and it will make you prosper from the inside out. Don't live your life. Don't live your life. Water bottle to water bottle to water bottle because the moment this is gone, the moment it ceases to benefit you anymore. Just use the water bottle to dig till you hit whatever it is that you're looking to hit. I think the other thing that we learn in this, once we accept the fact that, that, that God says to dig, is this, and the story is a great paradigm for this. Isaac had to understand which wells from the past that he needed to open and use. And he also understood that he needed to dig new wells. Part of this is taking a look at our past and saying, okay, what is good here? What is beneficial here? Right? What are we going to use? And what are we also not going to use? Isaac reopened the wells. He renamed them the same name that Abraham had given them. He could honor the past. He could see what's good in the past. And here's the thing. Not everything in the past is bad. And not everything in the past is good. Here's what we do. We glorify the past. And we continue to go back to the past because it's known. That's what our comfort level is. It's known. Even if it's dysfunctional, it's known. Why do people stay in dysfunctional environments? A couple reasons. One, they feel like they don't have a way out. Two, it's known. There's a false sense of safety in it. So I would ask the question, what wells from the past do you need to honor and use? Maybe you need to just start thinking, what wells am I using? Just identify the wells. Hey, my grandfathers on either side were pastors. And, and I come from a rich heritage, spiritual heritage. There are wells that I continue to use from my family. I've also recognized there are some wells that I don't need to use, right? We have, we have wells that are just produce negativity. I said, well, there's wells of shame and pain and guilt. Maybe your well of success is a faulty view of success. And your well of value and identity is faulty. Hey, decide which wells to close up, but decide which wells to use. And then here's what I think is so incredible. Then you realize this. I have to go dig new wells. Because the best way to honor the past is by going forward. And standing on the shoulders of those who have come before me. It's not staying there. It's not continuing to live off what they did and then being frustrated and disillusioned because you didn't go out on an adventure and decide to dig any new wells. Isaac said, I'm going to use these and then I'm going to go dig some new ones. I'm not going to live off the past. I'm going to utilize the past to propel me forward into the future. And thus starts the paradigm for us that's difficult. Isaac, I'm going to go dig something new. I'm going to do something new. How many of you know when you decide to do something new, everybody's for you till you do it? We want to change. Woo! Let's change. I don't think so. No. He digs the well. Here come the shepherds. Here come the people who didn't want to do the work. No, that's our well. They argue with him. So he names that well argument. And then he moves on. And he digs another well. 
Here come the shepherds. Here come the people who are just drinking off water bottles, right? Who want to complain about, who want to, who want to criticize, who want to say, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. They weren't there helping you dig the well, but the moment you hit water, oh, they're going to be there. Oh, that's mine. And it increases. It goes from argument to hostility. Isaac leaves that well. He goes on. He digs another well. Waits for the people. They don't come. He names it Reboth, which is finally, God, you've given us space to prosper. How many of you want prosperity? Oh, yeah. I want to go from I decided to dig a well to prosperity, not realizing I have to go through argument and I have to go through hostility to get to prosperity. Most of the time, our paradigm of God doesn't allow for argument and hostility. It's not from God. It's from people. Right? I want to do something new. And then you start doing it, and there's argument, there's hostility. And not always is it external. A lot of times it's internal. You argue with yourself. You get hostile towards you. I think the argument and the hostility well is just a proving ground for the vision that you have for the reason you're digging the wells in the first place. Because if you can't make it past argument and hostility... You don't have a big enough vision. You don't have a big enough level of commitment because it's not worth it to you to deal with the argument. It's not worth it to you to deal with the hostility. So you don't really want prosperity. You just want more water bottles. Somebody else digged a well. I'll just drink from it. But when you got something you're living for, when you got a legacy, when you got a vision that is beyond you and beyond the moment, you can deal with the argument, whether that's internal or external. You can deal with the hostility. You can persevere until you get to the prosperity, whatever that prosperity is. But you got to go through argument and hostility. You better know it's worth it. You better know you're going to be committed. You better know what you're prepared to lose and do in the process because it's difficult. Deal with the blisters on your hands. Deal with the obscurity of the dig in the well. But no, hey, hey, God called me. God showed me. My family is worth it. My finances are worth it. I'm telling you, this may not be as an exciting way emotionally to live, but it's way better than getting paid and blowing your money just to make yourself feel better. It's way better than bouncing from thing to thing, place to place, person to person, trying to find something, realizing that they're not going to fulfill you because you realize, I have purpose. I have meaning. I have value. God has called me. God has gifted me, and I'm going to dig some wells, and I'll deal with the argument, and I'll deal with the hostility. Because God will give me space to prosper because that's who he is. But God is not going to prosper you from a false sense of identity, a false sense of success. God is not going to prosper you ultimately unto your destruction. If you can argue yourself out of it, hostile yourself out of it, I don't know. Maybe that's God saying, hey, reorient, refocus, redig. Part of digging a well is having the wisdom of knowing where to dig, right? Like if I'm going to dig a well, I'm hiring some people to come out and tell me where it is, how far down the water is. I'm not about to start digging just to dig. I'll fundraise. I don't want to go 40 meters to find out I was wrong, right? But I know where to dig, and then I start digging, start digging, start digging. That's what I would title the message this day, just start digging. How many of you have seen Finding Nemo? Remember Dory? Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right? Right? It's funny because Dory's like this paper who keeps losing her mind and forgetting, yet she just has this 
ultimate sense of purpose. The one thing she doesn't forget is what she's doing. So just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. I would say for us this morning, it's if you haven't started digging, then dig. If you have started digging, just keep digging. Just keep digging. Just keep digging. Look at the water bottle and say, oh, it's tempting. But I'm not going to live for this. I'm going to live for the well because the well's going to live beyond me. Because ultimately, as we said, the well is him, right? We continue to partake from his well, and he says, now go out and dig more. Dig a financial well. Dig a family well. Well, no one dug a well for me. Hey, don't be a victim. Dig a well. No one ever taught me, hey, God will send you someone to teach you. Dig a well. That's what I want to do with this church. I want to dig a well. Because you know what? I probably got 30 good years left in me. And after that, I'm going to give this thing away to somebody. We're all going to give this thing away. In 30 years, most of us aren't going to be here anymore. How are we going to orchestrate this church that it can continue on to the future? This is God's church. It's not mine. It's not yours. Right? How are we going to do that? I think one of the very next things that, that we need to do, maybe in the fall or the beginning of the year, not sure, we, we, we need to add another service. Right? We're running out of room in the kids' space and Depending on, on, on particular Sundays, it's starting to get maybe a bit crowded in here. You know, we have the balcony. Sometimes you, you guys don't even know there's people up there, do you? We've got like two churches going on here. We've got the balcony people and the floor people, you know? <laughs> right? Just adding it up. Why would we do that? Hey, we're just, just opening the well to more people. Open the, but what that means is, that means is that some of us are going to have to pick up some shovels. There's been some people here that have been shoveling a long time, man. They're shoveling. They're tired. They're saying, hey, come help me shovel. Come help me shovel. Come help me serve. Come help me do my thing. Hey, part of, part of opening the well is just inviting people, right? Saying, hey, you want to come drink from the well with me? You want to come? You want to do that? Hey, this is one of the things that we are going to need to do as God continues to move, as we continue to dig new wells. Because here's the thing about digging wells. Digging wells, you're never settling. You're never settling for what you have. You're always realizing that, hey, you know what? God has given me ability. God has given me purpose, and I want to dig another well. Here's how I want to prove to you that we never settle. Look at the end of this. The, the last three verses in this particular uh, section, verse 23 through 25. It says, From there, after he prospered, Isaac moved moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. He said, I am the God of your father Abraham. And he said, Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and what did he do? His servants dug another well. His servants got to be tired of him by now. They dug so many wells. What did they do? God has blessed me. Let's dig a well. Everywhere we go, let's dig a well. That's what we do. You want to live life a legacy? You want to make an investment? You want your life to mean something? I would encourage you to keep digging. But here's the thing that I would ask. Number one, do you even know the wells that you're drawing from? Are you recognizing that? Have you discovered that there is a well in your life or there are wells in your life? And after you can become aware or cognizant of what wells you're drawing from, I want you to ask, is that a well I need to keep drawing from or is that a well I need to stop? After you identify that, then I want you to say, What wells do I need to start digging? I don't care how old you are, how young you are. Be like Isaac. 
I'm going to dig another well. I'm going to dig another well. God, you blessed me. I'm digging another well. Well, hey, I just retired. Hey, you never retired. God is having to do another thing, dig another well. I saw my grandfather dig wells until he died. He was digging wells. He never stopped. Never stopped digging wells. Why? My grandfather taught me or showed me that there was a purpose that was beyond him and it was beyond the moment. I thought the wells from my grandfather were just bus routes. Oh, no. Not just bus routes. The stories that he shared. The time that we spent together as family. The life that he lived. There are people who come to this church that my grandfather brought on a bus in the 1970s. They just showed up. My grandfather pastored in Sullivan in the 90s. There's a family that came the other day. The lady said, your grandpa's church picked me up on a bus in Sullivan. The wells just keep serving. They just keep serving. Which ones do you need to close? Which ones do you need to reopen and rename? And which ones do you need to dig? Ask the Holy Spirit because he'll show you. And the last thing I would say to you this morning is this. There are some of you that have just been digging and you're tired. It's obscure. You feel like you're wasting time. My encouragement to you would be just keep digging. Keep digging. You'll hear kerplunk sooner than later. Don't give up. Keep digging. Some of you need to sharpen your shovel. You need to take a step back. Like this thing's pretty blunt. Some of you need to stop digging where you're digging and start digging in a place of fresh water. You know, I said one of the wells was salt water. Here's the thing about salt water. It looks good. Looks enticing. If you're thirsty, looks enticing. You drink it, what does it do? Dehydrates you, dehydrates you, leave you lacking. You drink more, you drink more. So that's what some of us are doing. We're drawing out of a salt well that's leaving us empty and dry. Yet because it's known, we keep going back to it. And then we introduce new generations to it. Maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally. What, what do you need to stop? Some of you, you just need to start. Here's a shovel. Catch. Catch. Here's a water bottle too, right? Here's a water bottle, but start digging. Whether it's your marriage, start digging. Hey, we can do a conference. I'm all for it. But dig a well at home. Dig a well every day. If it's your kids, man, dig a well. If it's your finances, dig a well. If it's your emotions, dig a well. If it's in your workplace, dig a well. I know it takes longer, but it provides for much longer as well. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for all of you. My prayer is going to be that God will be so good. Holy Spirit would just show you where you need to start digging, what you need to start doing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room. I thank you for how good and how faithful that you are. I thank you that you have created us with intentionality. None of us are an accident here in this room. We all have value and purpose. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you begin to unearth that in us. It's buried in the subterranean aspect of who we are. Unearth that. Give us a purpose, God, that is bigger than ourselves and beyond this moment. 
Lord, I pray that you would, you would show us what wells from the past that we need to stop up, which ones we need to reopen. God, show us the, 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 the wells that we need to start digging. Give us the, the energy and the strength and the courage and the vision to keep digging, to keep digging. God, that we know that we are benefactors from others' wells, but yet we are, we are digging wells that others in the future generations will benefit from as well. We pray for this church, God, as you lead us, as we ask the question, what are the wells that we are supposed to dig and where are we supposed to dig them? Father, may we not settle. May we not just be happy with what is, but may you put a shovel in our hands and we dig together and that you would do as Ephesians 3.20 says, exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we could ask for or imagine at the power that is at work within us. And that is the power of Jesus. We pray this in his name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.